morning, good morning. It's always encouraging to be back in the house of the Lord with the Lord's people. And um, and like the song just, just mentioned, um, no, no matter, you know, what we may be going through, um, our sovereign God, our lives are truly in his hands, um, uh, regardless. And I know all of us had a different night experience, yesterday experience, and many of us got phone calls last few days about their various situations and um, our God is not asleep. And he actually uh, a God that, that knows and and is working in ways that we might not understand. And so uh, if you have a copy of God's word, we're going to continue our study in the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 7, looking at verses 2 through 6. Again, Romans chapter 7, looking at verses 2 through 6. And uh, we started the book of Romans last year. And we've just been walking through the book of Romans. We started in chapter 1 and we did chapter 2 and just slowly walking through the book of Romans. And Romans was written by who? Paul. Paul was an apostle of Jesus. And he wrote this letter to who? The church in, in Rome. And he wrote the letter to encourage them. And again, um, the, all the epistles, the letters was written to encourage the church. The church consisted of people just like Jordan, Jared, Jacob, Lena, and everyone in here. The church had several, several, several different people from very different backgrounds. Some were Jew um, or Hebrew Israelite like Greg, and some were Gentile. <laughs> but you had a diversity of church. And sometimes the Jews thought they were better than the Gentiles. Then the Gentiles at the time felt like they wasn't included. And so Paul wrote this letter to encourage them on various issues. And particularly this issue right here in Rome is at the time when the strongest Roman Empire was the Roman Empire. Roman Empire was so strong at the time. And so Paul writes this letter and, and, and he says right here in chapter 1 in Romans 16. How it goes up? Yes. On the spot. And so right here, Paul writes this letter telling us that he's not ashamed. But he's telling the Roman churches that he's not ashamed, that he's going to come and see them soon. And this is before he got to Rome. Paul is writing to him and said, I'm going to come. And I ain't scared of the Roman Empire. I'm coming. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now he explains throughout this letter that this is why I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because what the gospel has done for me. I'm not afraid of the Roman Empire because I know the gospel brings dead people to life. The gospel, the gospel has given me life on the road to Damascus. So now I have the gospel, so I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid. So he explained the bad news of the gospel because no way you can share the gospel if you don't understand the bad news. So Paul shares right here in Romans 1, after he mentioned 16, 17, he gets into 18. He explained that the wrath of God is revealed. Through all ungodliness that for all have sinned, we learned in Romans 3, 23, and also Romans 3, 10, that no one is right, all have sinned. Jew and Greek have sinned that everyone stands guilty before a holy, righteous God. Then Paul moves on and says, since everybody's guilty, the Father sent his son Jesus to take the sins of his people on himself and be punished for the sins of his people. And so they can be made right. 
And so Paul explains that for those who believe in Jesus, receive eternal life. But a lot of times in us in this room, we believe in Jesus, but a lot of times we struggle with assurance. We believe in Jesus, but it's hard to trust him when the co-workers, right, are not being helpful at times. The kids are all over the place. Your, my, my spouse, or I mean, not my spouse, my spouse is amazing. Spouses uh, <laughs> having a hard time. And so these things come our way, and we put it in our own hands, don't we? We, we? we go ahead and curse somebody out or say some things we shouldn't say. Then say, let me go back and ask for forgiveness later. But a lot of times that we forget what we have in Christ. We forget that assurance in Christ, and we put it in our own hands. So Paul is reminding us in his letters that, hey, you are in Christ, and I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to care for you. You are redeemed in me. You can trust me. Well, the apostles, the disciples knew that too, right? And they struggled with them. And same way, family, we struggle as well. So Paul writes this letter reminding us again, we are in Christ. He will not leave us or forsake us. We can trust him. We have his grace. So he's going to go further with that today. So let me read our text. In Romans uh, chapter 7, uh, starting out with um, verse 1, but I'm going to focus on 2 through 6. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if, if, if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she live with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. And if she free and she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Verse four. Likewise, my brother, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Verse 6. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written, written code. Let me pray for us and... Um, Ask the Lord to help us as we walk through these verses here this morning. Our Father God from heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, again, Lord, to bring us back on this Lord's day to be in your word. Remind us of your truth, Lord, this morning. Encourage us of your truth this morning, Lord. Allow me to preach your word faithfully. Help me. I'm weak. I need your help. Give me, Lord, everything that's needed, Lord, to care for your people and also to care for my own heart, Lord. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to go before us at this time. And for those that are not believing in you, Lord, I pray that the message go forward in power, that many turn from their sins and put their faith in you here today. So, Lord, we ask you to save many. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. God, in his wisdom, has created a world Therefore, everything in the world that he created in a general way points to him. Well, sin came into the world and it pointed to other things. But when God created this world, everything in this world existed.
for us to know God. God already existed in eternity past. There has never been a time in eternity God didn't exist. There's never been a time that the Son, the Father, and the Spirit never existed. It, they always existed from eternity past. The Son was a Spirit, the Father was a Spirit, and actually the Spirit was a Spirit. But we know within time, God sent His only Son who was incarnated into flesh. But God was fine in eternity past. God was doing okay. It wasn't even a heaven to contain him. God was fine by, by himself within the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But God, in his ultimate wisdom, created a plan that for, for him to be able to create beings and for beings to be able to see what's existed from eternity past. So the creation to be able to see the glory that the Son and the Father and the Spirit had. They saw the glory within each other. They saw it from eternity past. But God created mankind to see his glory. It was created for his glory. And that's why we see, even in, we know of, um, in track, my kids run track. They run the race. It points to a bigger picture, not just for them and just exercise, which is really good. But them running, pointing to a bigger picture for us as Christians, we're running this race, race in Jesus. Right? And so all these general things, and we talked about, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, the staff that had an Old Testament that, that died and, and actually came back to life in the budded armies. It pointed to Jesus' death and resurrection. We can see in the seasons, right, how the grass died and the grass come back in another season. It points to the glorious picture of Jesus. So all of creation is shouting out that there is a God. There is a God, but also marriage. Today in our age, we have made marriage more of a selfish thing. Marriage's ultimate goal is not for a man and a woman just to be able to be together because of intimacy. That's what we made marriage to now. That wasn't God's ultimate plan of marriage if man and woman have an intimacy. The whole goal of marriage, the ultimate goal of marriage is for two people to be able to see God's glory. It's about God's glory. But we have made it more about what he can do for me or what she can do for me. We have made it more conditional. A good marriage is based upon who do the most or who don't do the most, whatever the case may be. You do this and I'm going to love you more. You do this right here, I'm not going to love you more. A lot of marriages are based upon so many conditions now. But the ultimate picture of marriage was created for us to see God's glory. That God, which was going to be the groom, which is Christ. That Christ is going to come into this world. And he's going to marry a bride that was so unfaithful. He's going to marry her and he's not going to complain about her. He's going to love her unconditional, but God's of how much she failed. And for us, in our earthly marriages, it points to the same thing. No matter the feeling of both spouses, we love one another unconditionally. Well, Paul even uses marriage today to even go further. I'm not going to say further, but he even now goes and uses marriage in relating to the law. How marriage even points to something greater as the law and grace. 
So we're going to do it in four points today. Bound to Christ, not the law, would be the title. The first point is going to be marriage helps us understand we are bound to the law. Number two, marriage helps us understand that we have died to the law. Point number three, marriage helps us understand that we are now alive in Christ. And point four, marriage to, law, to the law brought death, but marriage to grace brought life. Again, even though we're going to talk a lot about marriage, let us not go, go way off on this. Paul is getting somewhere in this. The whole focus is not really marriage. The whole focus on this is that he wants the Christian church to understand that you are in Christ and no one can take you away from Christ. And he uses marriage as an example to let remind you that you are in Christ. And no matter what you go through in this life, Christ will never leave you. That's what he's getting at in this text. But we can kind of hear a lot about marriage and we can think about a lot of other things. But stick with me this morning. As we hear this, Paul is describing to us as we people that, hey, I got you. I got you. And you don't have to be afraid that Christ will never leave you. So to jump in point number one, marriage helps us understand we're bound to the law. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. When a woman gets married to a man, they are bound by the law. To death do us part. They are bound by the law as for them being in covenant relationship with each other. They are now to live together in marriage unity. What belongs to the man always belongs to the man. Is that true? No, what belongs to the man now belongs to the woman. What belongs to the woman now belongs to the man. And I know each state have different laws and stuff like that now with all the what belongs to what. But for the most part, when someone is married, they're in one union and all they have belong together. And today in our age, again, when people get divorced, and the divorce is so high right now in our society. It's so high right now. The man will want to leave his spouse because she get on his nerves. But a woman want to leave her husband because he get on her nerves. The man is not good in this. But the woman is not good in this. And so on and so on. So in Christian circles, we are seeing a lot of divorces that are happening. Well, in the context of this century, first century here, it was that marriage was seen as a covenant. It was seen as a covenant for someone to be together forever. And the only time this covenant can be broken would be was for divorce. I mean, before someone died, I'm sorry. Someone died. And I'm not going to get into the context of um, perm permanence view of marriage and um, I think called permissive view of marriage and should someone get divorced and not get divorced. We're not going to get in there today in a way of adultery and things of that nature. But for the most part, though, is that when man and woman bond to get, join together, they shall be together forever. So marriage is designed to be forever. The Lord even said, what God has put together, let man not put us put asunder. 
And so we are so removed from the first century, but for the most part, the biblical context is that man and wife is to be together forever. They are bound together in this covenant relationship. Well, Paul now gets in that, okay, says man and woman are bound together. For us that was born into this world, we were also bound to something as well. We were bound to the law. We were bound to the law. Because now we learn in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 is that the Jews received the law. You guys remember the Old Testament received the Ten Commandments, the law? And the law showed them their, their sin. But also it told us in Genesis 2, I mean, not Genesis, Romans 2, that also that the Gentile that didn't have a law, they were bound to the law because they had a law within themselves. And for them breaking the law, and even within themselves, their unconscious actually let them know that they have sinned against God. So the Jews have sinned, and also the Gentiles have sinned, now, both parties now are bound to this law. They can't separate from this law because both parties now have broken this law. They can't divorce themselves from their law because now they are bound to this law that what they're married to. And for all of us in this room, we were part of this law. We were part of this marriage of, for us because of our sin, we were married to this law. We couldn't separate ourselves from this law. So let's get into point one is that for all of us in this room, we're married to this law because of our sins. The law continues showed us our sin. And for us being depraved in our sins is that the law continues showed us our sins. We commit one sin. We commit another sin. We think, we think we're doing good one day when we commit another sin. And so the law was there to show us our sin. There was no way we can get away from it. There was no way. So the law we see here in, in point one, the law showed us our sin. We were married to the law. Just like a husband and wife was married, or are married together, we was married to the law. Point number two, marriage, marriage helps us understand that we have died to the law now. Look at verse four. Likewise, my brother, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. Just like a woman, husband died, and she's able to marry again. We have died to be enslaved to the law. Paul said, my brother's here. He's not just talking about Jews, but he's talking about now Jews and Gentiles here. These are all his brothers in the faith now. That both Jew and Gentile are his brother. That both groups are enslaved, were, were enslaved to the law because of their sins. But now they are both believers in Christ. And have died to this law and died from the sin, and now they're in Christ because of the work of Christ. Again, for us being married to the law and our sins, it was no way we can marry to Jesus, to someone else, until we first died. And once we died, when we died, when we professed Christ, you guys remember when some of you all you got baptized, you went under the water. Right, you died to your old ways. You came up a new creation now. Your old creation, when you died, when you came back up, then you was able to marry another. And so for us now, our believers in Christ, we was able to marry to Christ now and be to be the bride of Christ because now 
We died in our sins and became up in new creatures in Christ. And just like the husband and wife wasn't able to get married, Paul describes here, again, to the actual spouse dies. We have died now. We have died. And family that is in this room, that could be encouraging to us. We don't have to die again, fam. We are in Christ forever. No matter what charges people may bring against us, no matter what people may say about us, no matter what, what, what uh, we might feel about ourselves at times, it is for sure that we are married to Christ forever and we get everything that belongs to Christ. Just think about a marriage. You hear you guys hear this thing in the NBA, the prenups and all this, and, and some of them don't want to sign them, and, and sometimes a divorce happens, and, and somebody sent me a video the other day, and um, it hit a video, and I think that God did something. I'm going to be cheated on his wife or something. And the wife came out and said, pay up, pay up. And she won the case. And I think she get like thousand, thousand dollars a month now. And she would just have the camera point to him like, hey, pay up, pay up now. You know, you owe this to me because of the child. Well, and the other side, the positive side of this is that for us in Christ, we get everything in Christ. We get everything that Christ has, we get. Christ it's heaven. Family, we get heaven. Christ get to be before his father. Family, we get to be before the father. Christ goes to prepare a place for us, right? With many rooms. Those rooms he prepared, we get that with Christ. Everything Christ get, we get in Christ by being married to Christ. We are beneficiaries of what Christ has because we are united with Christ. No matter how you feel. How you feel doesn't base what you get. You get what Christ said we get based upon the scriptures. Is that we get eternal life in Christ. We get acceptance. Some of us struggle with acceptance. We get it. We get acceptance in Christ. Man may not accept us, but Jesus accepts us. I can go on and on with all the things we get in the union with Christ. But we have died to the law because of what Christ has done. He has died on the cross for our sin. It tells us in many Bible verses, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. But God showed his love in us, showed his love for us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us in Romans 5, 8. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. By his wounds, by his wounds, you have been healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. Amen. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Christ's death, right? Christ's death brought about our life. And Christ had to die because Christ became a sin for us. He took the sin that didn't belong to him. He took the sin that didn't belong to him and placed it on himself. And so by doing that, Christ became the sin for us. 
It wasn't his sin. It was our sin. He was punished for something that didn't belong to him. He was willing to take those sins so you and me can live a life of eternity. And so when Christ had took the sin upon himself at that particular time, now Christ was under sin, even though the sin didn't belong to him. And Christ had to die. Because Christ can be in the union with his father because his father is holy and his spirit is holy. And at this particular time, the humanity side of Jesus, which took upon his sin, became sin. But his divine side always continued to be holy. And so with Jesus having to take this sin for us, at this moment, he had to die for him to be back with his father. And it's the same thing happened to us. What Jesus did, he made it possible for us. He made the impossible possible for what he did. And so now we have all this because of Christ. And we heard it in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So we're made right through Christ. So Christ done this for us. Brings to point number three. Mary says to understand we are now alive in Christ right now. So that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. When we are married, we can't belong. When we are married, we can't belong to another. But when we are married, now we are belong to our spouses. But when Christ died for our sins, he took on our sins on himself. He made us born again. That by faith, we die to our old self and was made alive to our new self. That we are now alive in Christ. Because Christ was raised from the dead. We are raised from the dead. So that we may bear fruit of God, of our, bear fruit for God. We couldn't bear fruit because of our sin. It might look good on the outside. You remember them Pharisees? It looked so good on the outside, but we're like whitewashed tombs. They were so corrupt on the inside. A lot of times people think they're doing a lot of good deeds and they're honoring the Lord. A lot of good deeds are nothing but things that are actually rooted in the heart of people that want to be seen. They're doing these things to be seen. That's how the Pharisees were. They were doing a lot of good things to be seen. And so at the, at, the, at the root of it, it was corrupt. But for those that are truly in Christ, we do things for God's glory. It's not about being seen. It's not about getting passed on the back. It's not about for the world to be able to, 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 be able to see, okay, this is what this person did. But it's for the world to be able to see what Jesus is doing through us. So now we bear the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So we're able to bear the fruits of the Spirit because we had a Spirit in us. If we don't have a Spirit in us, it might look good, but it's corrupt at the root. But having the Spirit in us is good for those that are in Christ. We are now in covenant of grace. So we're not married to the law anymore. We're married to Christ. We have grace. And just like, again, Paul describes in our text, just like a woman can marry another man once the spouse dies, 
Christian church, we were able to now to be with Christ and marry Christ as being his, his bride once we die from our sins and to himself. Point number four, as we get ready to wrap things up. Marriage to the law brought death, but marriage to grace brought life. Look at verse five. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passion aroused by the law. We're at work in our members to bear fruit that is for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which helped us, held us captive. Lastly, Paul further explained how we are not enslaved to the law again. The law showed us our sin. The law stopped us in our tracks to show that we aren't as good as we think we are. I don't know if anybody ever heard like the Ten Commandment test. A lot of times we think we're good when you start putting yourself and start comparing yourself to the Ten Commandments. You start seeing that, okay, I did this today, I did this today, I did this today. The, the law is the standard, right? The law shows us our sins. So the law stops us in our track and let us see that, hey, we are all sinners in need of a savior. Even our members of our bodies bear fruit of sin, which was death. We enjoyed the things in this world. So while we were living in the flesh, we were married to the law. But now, fam, we are released from this law. And last week, we talked about antinomianism, like in a way of that get rid of the law. Let me explain this, that the law is still good. Even as believers, even as believers, the law is still good. Because now the law is written on our hearts as believers by God's spirit. And now the law is things we want to keep. That we want to keep now. We want to keep, we want to bear the fruits of the spirit now. So we're not bound to the law because the law can't show us what is not there. Because our sins are nailed to the cross. Our sins are paid for by Jesus. Our sins are nailed to the cross forever. When he said it's finished, it is finished. The debt is completely paid. Our past sins, our present sin, our future sin, our sins are nailed to the cross. We bear them no more. But we're thankful for the law, but our sins are nailed to Jesus on the cross. But by the spirit that's in us, the spirit convinces us every day. The spirit reminds us to, one way we know you're a true believer is that you want to be God about the spirit. You love the things of God. <laughs> Unbelievers, they see the law and show their sins. But as believers, for us, our sins are revealed to us daily because the spirit of God is in us. It revealed to us, and we knew that wasn't right on the time card. We know we didn't clock in at this certain time. But we're thinking about that paycheck at the end of the week. And we look back at it, and you're like, oh, goodness, that was wrong what I did. And you're convicted by it. And as believers, though, is that once we mistreat somebody, it is that the Spirit of God is works in us. And for us as being believers, we're able to acknowledge that this wasn't of God. As believers. But for unbelievers, 
the law continually remind them that they need a savior. For us, we know we need a savior. For as believers, and we're trusting in that savior. That's why Paul says, so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old ways of the written code. For us believers now, we serve in the spirit. We're led by the spirit. And the spirit now leads us to things of righteousness now. Because now, because we are married to God. And by his grace. So as we end here, let me end here with a couple applications here. As we see marriages all around us, think about how we are now married to Christ. And we get all the benefits of Christ. And one person said these benefits we get in Christ. Believers are created in Christ, Ephesians 2, 10. We are created in Christ. We are crucified in him, Galatians 2, 20. We are buried in him in Colossians 2, 12. Baptized into Christ and death in Romans 6, 3. United with him in resurrection, in Romans 6, 5. Seated with him in heavenly places, Ephesians 2, 6. Christ is formed in believers, Galatians 4, 19. And dwells in our heart, Ephesians 3, 17. I can keep going. The church is his body now. 1 Corinthians 6, 15. Christ is in us, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. And we are in him in 1 Corinthians 1, 30. The church is one flesh with Christ in Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. And believers gain Christ and found in him in Philippians 3, 8 through 9. But also we're justified in him in Romans 8, 1. Glorified, he glorifies us with himself in 8, 30 in Romans. He sanctifies us in 1 Corinthians 1, 2. He called us also in 1 Corinthians. Um, again, we are made alive in Ephesians 2, 5. We are adopted in him. We're elected in him. Family, do y'all get it? All the things we get in Christ. We get all these things in Christ by being married to Christ. But when we was actually enslaved to sin, we didn't get any of these things. We got death. So compare. When you're down and out, look at the things you have in Christ. And the things that I mentioned and God just shared with you, those things are not conditional. Those things are unconditional. Those things are with you forever, ever, and forever, and forevermore. That we get these things in Christ. We're going to be ever crucified with him, justified with him. So no matter what man and charge they may bring against you, they cannot take away all these things we get in Christ. Number two. Remember, there will never be a time again in the history of this world that will not be alive in Christ. Again, remember there would never be a time again in this history of this world that we would not be alive in Christ. He would never divorce us no matter what we do. He is faithful. He's faithful to the end. He's a faithful God. So if you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with where you're at right now, you might not be in the best place in your walk with Jesus. He's near to you. He's near, no matter what you may be facing. The last thing here, we should walk in thankfulness. 
because of what Christ has done for us. We would still be married to sin and the law of Christ didn't come and die for us. If Christ never came, how would we have ever been loving him? It's all Jesus. It's all what Jesus has done for us. So family, as Jesus has done this for us and we get these things in Jesus, we get something that we don't deserve, family, we should be able to be kind to each other. We should be able to be nice to each other because we have received something that we totally don't deserve. And what we receive is everything. It's everything in Christ. So for us, we should be walking in the spirit daily. And that's what Paul is getting at in his Roman. That's what he's encouraging his Roman church. He's using marriage as an example to let them be reminded that you get Christ forever. Now live like a church. Be unified as a church. Don't be divided over small stuff, church. Be a church that people are dying to self. They're loving each other, doing life together. Be a unified church because of what Christ has done for you. And you are married to him forevermore. You're not married to the law anymore. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us and we have the Lord's supper together.